Let's begin the show by starting it. Welcome to the Sunday Movie Marathon. How are you all doing? Not is that, uh Is that a quote from Parks and Rec? Yeah. I haven't been yeah. in that show. At least that's the only reason I guessed it. It's like Max's yeah. quotes are just whatever he's talking about <laughs> or has watched yeah. that week. Yeah. I literally like it. it I saw it like today even. I need I'm to start just, just going to write that down. I'm pretty sure I started oh, this on brilliant. a podcast ages ago that I need to start watching it and I ne- never did. Well, it's on Netflix now in all its glory. My next recommendation is the whole entirety of Parks and Recs. You've got to watch it in a week. Nice. Honestly, with the rate I'm going, I probably will finish it in a week. I finished yeah. Friends pretty quickly. Yeah. I think Parks and Rec is just like, it's one of those shows that it's just like so easily digestible that it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. Is it like 20 minute episodes? Yeah. 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 I didn't I forgot that Friends was 20 minutes 20 minute episodes. So um when I started watching it, I was just flying through them and I think I was doing about a season every every other day. Yeah. Um and before I got a, a new job, I think I'd done like seven seasons easily within a week or within a week and a half, sorry. Like something ridiculous. It was like wake up, watch Friends, fall asleep. <laughs> Wake up, watch Friends, repeat. <laughs> what happens in lockdown? What else can you do? Well, I just hope that we um, have that momentum when episode 25 comes about. Hint, hint. Yeah, something special in store then. Yeah, yeah, man. Only, only eight episodes away now. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Oh, do, you reckon, yeah do, you reckon we'll, do you reckon we'll get it get it done? Or do you reckon we have to start it now? We'll be all right, Wait, I hope. Do you reckon in a, in a week? Surely. Don't know. Every episode's like an hour long. There's, I think, twenty something episodes in the first season. What? Yeah, we... It's an hour long, is it? <laughs> episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did you think Ooh. they were? You have the fucking box sets. I mean, we'll we'll not reveal the show yet. But I didn't think that that I thought they were like half an hour. Honestly. <laughs> but no, I've, I've no, said it now, like, so we're going to do it. Yeah, it's like the typical... Yeah, so, Max, do you reckon we'll get it done in a week? <sighs> it's going to be tough. It, it, it's going to be tough, but... I think you... I'll yeah. try it. You, you could do it if you binged, like, five episodes a day. Like, you'll, <laughs> five, like four to five episodes a day, you'll get it done. Yeah, what's going to be, like, hard is if it's just, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a lot harder to watch it. I haven't we'll um I haven't read any reviews, watched any reviews, or really heard anything about it. Which no. I don't know if that's good or if it's bad, but I'm guessing if they have like as many seasons as they do, it, it should be good. But then like Supernatural's pretty shit and that's got fourteen seasons, so Yeah. They just kept going with that one. Well without further ado, should we uh get on to the meat and uh meat and potatoes of this podcast and start reviewing some fucking movies? Get on to the Yorkshire yeah. puddings, the pigs in the blankets, and the thick, <laughs> delicious gravy. Nice. Who's the pigs and blankets? Um, Chris. Wow. Well, hell yeah. Fucking hell. He just called you a pig. <laughs> the best part of the roast. Yeah. You're a pig wrapped in another pig. I think he, what he's saying is that my film was the best pick of the week. I'm not saying that. I will okay. ha- wholeheartedly say that I think my film was the best pick of this week. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay, so starting off with me, I picked the 1997 film Funny Games, directed by Mikkel Haneke. 
I am a big fan of the director. I've seen a few of his films now, and this was like meant to be his one of his biggest and most well-known films. So I thought it would be a good journey to watch. It is basically a home invasion movie. Two guys make their way into a house of a pretty well-for-themselves family, and then they start playing games with them, which get manipulative and violent. So what did everyone think of Funny Games? Well, do you know what? Um, Max, what was the film that you recommended that was completely in a different language? Uh, do you have a leak? That was the one. This was a lot easier to watch than that. Like, well, So I'm not mm. saying this is a better film. I'm just saying I think I'm getting better at watching subtitled films. Yeah, nice. and Diabolik was from the 50s. <laughs> it was a big jump. Yeah, this this film was uh, originally when... Because there's two versions of this. There's a 2007 remake, isn't there? Yeah. So I watched the first 10 minutes of that and then realised that I was watching the wrong movie. So I had to go back mm-hmm. off. Then found the next, the actual version, but there weren't any subtitles. So I was like, great. So I was just sitting there for about five minutes watching it without subtitles. And then I just found a copy with subtitles, which I was thankful of because I had no fucking clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, th- I, I liked it, I guess. It was um, kind of bored me. I'll be honest, I didn't love it. It was just like a home invasion movie and the the thing I was sort of anticipating was something a bit more out there um, because I've heard a lot about uh, Mikkel Haneke. Um, just he seems like a prolific director or just um, very, very out there. People love him. Um, at least like in the more indie scene, I guess. I'm not too sure. But this, I I understand how someone might find parts of it to divert from maybe the basic uh, plot of a home invasion movie. But personally, I don't think it did much to subvert my expectations when it comes to the type of movie that I'm familiar with uh, when it comes to home invasion. The last two home invasion movies that I've watched are... um, Is it Hush? Yeah, uh, there's the, that yeah. one on Netflix. And then there's another one, which I cannot remember uh, for the life of me what the name was. But it's basically like a brother hires hitmen to kill his family so he gets an inheritance. And it's just the killers invading the home and then getting killed themselves. Spoiler alert for whatever. I don't even know what the movie's called. So, like, going in, like, I googled the synopsis for this movie, like, for, like I do for movies that I have no clue about. Um, and. I like Max. I it, I completely did not expect it to be. It was very tamed in terms of like a, a home invasion movie. Um, I mean, there wasn't really much going on with it. I did make a point about the fact that it took place in like one location, but it's a home invasion movie. Where else is it going to take place? Um, but yeah, I I I I don't know. Like, I'm indifferent about this movie. I I was bored watching it, but I don't know. Wouldn't say it was a bad movie. Well, you loved it, Chris, didn't you? Can you tell yeah, us like what you loved about it? Um, there was a lot I really enjoyed about it. I actually liked how slow it was. Like, there was something about obviously a lot of the films are like, very silent. There's like a very very minimal amount of music in the film, and I just found something like slightly off throughout the whole film. It just was quite ominous to me, just how 
silent and like cold and empty it is. And I will say to to add on to that point that um you do have a point with it like being the silent does add to the movie. It's the scene where spoiler alert that um they tell the the woman to get undressed and they're like yeah tell your your wife to get undressed or we'll, um like just beat your kid up essentially and um there's just like parts in there where they're just staring at each other or like the dad just looks down and then just looks at his wife and he's like just get undressed and um i think that just it wasn't only awkward but it did add just a creepy and very like menacing vibe to the to that scene I really liked that scene, like, not because you see a nude woman, because you don't, but because it was done quite well, um, with, like, obviously the silence, silences being added and long pauses and stuff. There's a lot that they hide in the movie, I found that quite effective, like, they hide a lot of the violence that's going on, you sort of, you hear it, but you don't see it until, like, maybe afterwards, and that's that was quite effective to let that sort of play out in your mind, because I think uh, when it comes to, like, h- horror, um it's sort of like the the mind is like a more like influential tool into whether you're going to find something uh like viscerally affecting and i think yeah. that that helped a lot well they did that with um with bird box didn't they with the whole they had like a design and a um sketch for the creature that was supposed to be in it but test audience just laughed at the fact that it just looked like a giant baby they just took it out and left it to the imagination, and yeah, like you said, the un what 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 you don't know scares you. The unknown scares you. So um, it's the whole point about like the uh, alien from Aliens as well. Them not giving it eyes because you don't know where it's looking, what it's looking at. Yeah. It's just uncertainty. Um, I don't know if I found a botched copy of this movie. Were you supposed to see or hear the kid get shot? No, um, you don't you hear it, it, don't you? Yeah, you hear it, but it's kind of like muffled. It's like kind of more in the background. It's not like very loud or anything. Mine, m- literally, the copy that I watched on YouTube, just um, it was the guy making food in the kitchen. Then it just cut to the TV screen with blood on it. Was that yeah, meant to yeah. happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's I. I didn't hear whatever sound effects were were meant to be going on in the background. But my God, when it like it's, it's like obviously went back to the front room and, like, the kid had been shot, and they're like, oh, he was trying to escape, and he's like, don't be so trigger-happy. I was like, fuck me, they just killed a kid in a film. Yeah. There's a a really great shot that I love where, um, it's like the aftermath after that, where you see, like, the corpse on the floor, there's blood everywhere, and, like, the dad's on the floor, and the mum's just, like, sat there completely paralysed, like, she can't yeah, move she's or anything. Just, yeah, she's on and the it, sofa, and she's just looking down, like... Yeah. It hangs on, yeah. hangs on that for, like, two or three minutes, like, something like that. It's, like, a long time, just hangs on that shot, and nothing happens, and uh, I found that super intense and disturbing. Yeah, well, I think in scenes like that, I think the the purpose behind them is it gives you time to put yourself into that position because like with like most movies nowadays we'd say the movies that are like where it's just something happens and it's always go 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 you don't really have time to visualize yourself in the scene I think when something traumatic like that like that happens and you're just lingering on the shot for so long I think Again, like Max said, your imagination is a powerful thing, and maybe you put yourself into that scenario, and maybe you reminisce with the character. Maybe it 
changes the scene entirely for you. But most people would find this um, boring. It's like, why would I just watch a woman sitting down for three minutes? And it just you're missing the whole point of why it's done. Yeah, I like exactly. that you didn't like he, she was talking to the dad as well, but he you couldn't see him because he was like lying behind a sofa because his like leg is broken. So in in that moment, I was like, well, we don't actually know if maybe he's dead too, and she's just like talking to someone who's like not not conscious or like not alive well, anymore. So well, I did like that thing, like, as well. Well, yeah, this this is the thing. It's just. Like there's there's just so much that you don't know what's going on. That yeah, she could uh, she could just be having like a psychotic break, and that's one avenue to go down. But here's the problem I have with this movie. Um, I don't really care about the family. I don't I don't get a lot. Like, I think all the acting is like very good, but I never got a chance to relate to the family. I don't know like what their deal was. I don't uh like care about like they didn't really evoke much personality for me it was just like you, you're supposed to feel bad about this family getting into the situation because it's sad when people are tortured and murdered but it's it, it doesn't have that emotional backing for me it's just like you're going to watch this family that you don't know uh, subjected to a bunch of like horrible shit and you're supposed to care when they die I didn't I, I, I don't know like like Chris said about some of the, the long shots that were in this movie and how you could almost have the time to picture yourself in these scenes, maybe you're not supposed to really care about what the family is going through. It's more of the fact that the film's designed to help put you in that situation, so therefore you're experiencing it in a scenario where it's happened to you rather than the family. Like, I gave a shit when the fucking dog died. I really didn't care about anything else. Like, any <laughs> if, of the... Uh, this... like, when when the dad's shot in the head, I was like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> if, if, if the point of the movie was to try and make put me in the position of these characters, then I'm, I'm sorry, but it did a poor job of it. I just yeah. didn't care enough for the situation that they were in. I thought it was very... Just like I've seen this a million times in a million other movies, and I don't, I just didn't care. And like the dog dying, it was like, oh yeah, you see a dog in the first place. I know this movie from the get go is not like a, a happy movie. I know some shit's gonna go down. So of course the dog's gonna die, and then it dies, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's so original. They killed the dog. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I don't care. I'm, the, I'm, I'm, a sli- I'm slightly confused on some of the things that happened in this film as well. There was so much foreshadowing that I noticed about this movie. I was like, when he picked up the the golf club and was like, can I go test out? I was like, yeah, he's going to go kill the dog. The knife falling um, from under the, uh, on the boat. I was like, well, that's going to come back later in some, but yeah. then again, I don't know if the movie cut out early for me. So th- the way that this, these two guys get into this home to obviously harass the occupants of it, they go in and ask for some eggs, and then it just like goes from there on. And at the end of the just movie, escalates. Yeah. they go to the neighbours and do the exact same thing. Now, they take the mum hostage at the end after killing the two people. She's on the boat, picks up the knife, and then dives in the water, but you never see her again. Yeah, because she's bound. Like, she can't swim. She's going to drown. Right, so That's I thought how it goes. she was going to cut herself free and then kill him because 
it foreshadowed the knife being used earlier, but then nothing yeah. happened. I actually kind of like that, to be honest. Like, they do set this up, but it's like, it, the whole thing about it is almost like, you can't stop this from happening, it's gonna happen. Like, the, this shit happens. And, like, the violence that... You can't stop the violence from happening. They, these people are sort of just sat there dealing with it, and that's just... That's how it goes in some some cases. So I do like that, but at the same time, it's um, it's I wouldn't say it was anticlimactic. Honestly, I kind of like. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking in this, but like uh, the character of Paul, who I think was probably the best character in it. Honestly, the um, the the skinny guy, yeah. who sort of constantly like looking to the camera and like addressing us. Sometimes it grated on me a little bit, but um, most of the time I found it quite enjoyable. It was just um. Yeah, so I do sort of get that the knife on the boat mainly was, like, not paid off, but it was sort of, that's the point. Oh, right. What did you guys think of the um the home invaders? Because unlike most other traditional home invasion films, like Strangers, Hush, all of that sort of shit, um, these guys weren't, I wouldn't say necessarily violent, and they had, they were more psychopathic, than sociopathic. It's not like yeah. they got the kicked out of murdering them. It was just like the simple stuff of like him, like them, like insisting on giving them the eggs, and they're doing this because they they haven't been given these eggs, or telling the mum to undress and then to get dressed again. Yeah, I enjoyed like the way that they sort of pushed themselves into the home. I think it's like I've got like a fear of home invasion. Honestly, I've had like nightmares about it. And it's like the these kinds of interactions where they're sort of like being faux friendly, where they're just like, "Oh yeah, can I borrow some eggs?" And then like, "Oh, I just smashed the eggs," and then it just like keeps escalating. Where they're not being like really evil, but it's like they're just making you uncomfortable. And it's the yeah. kind of thing. It's like it's like gaslighting in a way. It's like like you're being subjected to these people that you think are very very uncomfortable, but you can't get away from it because of like social. Uh, boundaries and like social expectations like you can't just say fuck you to these guys who aren't on the surface doing anything like abhorrent but you know it just makes you uncomfortable that's why I like like the scene where she's trying to get them to leave and then the dad comes in she's like you gotta get these guys to leave I sort of I, I was kind of like upset with the dad it's just like why didn't you just say why didn't you just get them to fuck off immediately? Like, if if my wife was, like, just in our, like, home that we've rented out for, like, a holiday, and then these two people that I've never met have come into this house, and she's telling me that they need to leave, I wouldn't be like, oh, why? 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 They're not doing anything wrong. It's like, no, man, they're there. Just get, <laughs> get them out. I like that those two guys, it's, for most of the film, it's more about, like, psychological torture than it is actual, like, violent torture, and I found that quite interesting and a lot of it was quite disturbing and creepy at times well yeah imagine having your kid's head blown off sat behind you like that definitely fucking scar you wouldn't it yeah it's just like all these things that they do to try and escape it where you're like rooting for them i guess on like a human level just be like yeah come on they can do it and like get out of it. like when she shot the guy she got the gun and shot the guy i like audibly stood up and cheered <laughs> that's how like great that moment was but then it like the fourth wall breaks and then Paul like picks up a remote and he says no nah, man this isn't happening and he rewinds it 
and then he grabs the gun before she can shoot his friend. And I'm like, oh my god, it's like this is like it was like a, the scene from Infinity War. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I really I love that, but yeah, at the I- same time, it pissed me off so much. I was so angry. I like I just audibly said, "Fuck you" to the film. I just sighed. Oh I man! I think that was kind of the point. Like he wanted to, like, give you some relief and then make you, like, pull the rock out from under you and say, "Nah, this isn't what we're doing." I really loved yeah. that that scene where he turns the the film back. I thought it was really inventive, and I found it quite funny. I liked all of the fourth wall breaking throughout. There was something about it; it just made the characters seem a little bit more psychotic, and I found it a little. A lot more interesting. It was something that really engaged me throughout the film. It was. Just, I actually yeah. kind of wish they did it a little bit more, but if, mm-hmm. but if they did, maybe it would have not been as like fresh and funny. Chris, how many know. times have you watched this movie? Just the once. This is my first time, and you loved it. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll watch it again? Yeah, I think I will. I want to watch the remake as well because it's the same director again. <laughs> Um, but he, it's like a shot for shot remake just with an American cast, but a lot of people seem to like it more than the original. Yeah. Well, I probably would in all fairness. Oh, the point, the point, part I said, fuck you to the screen at was not the part that I said. It was when Paul looks directly at the screen and he's like, it's like an hour and a half in and he says, we're not up to feature length yet, feature film length yet. Is that enough? but you wanted a real ending with plausible plot development, don't you? I was just like, oh, shut up, man. Because, <laughs> like, first thing first, all right, at that point, it was feature length. It was. <laughs> shut up. I was so mad. See, not only is Max going to be very hesitant when someone comes around that he doesn't know and asks to borrow eggs, but you've also pissed him off now, Chris. <laughs> Look what your movie's doing to us. Yeah, I really like the visual look of the film. It's um, all of Mikhail Haneke's films look quite similar. They're like all the colouring and lighting is very natural looking, and I felt like that added this really real quality to it. Everything just looked kind of real, which I really appreciated. Yeah, it look, yeah, it look it looked good. Uh, it's just a shame that the story itself did not back that up. At least. For me, because like when I'm watching these home invasion movies, I think a lot of them are so dumb. You you sort of sit there and you wonder to yourself, how would I get out of this situation? And I'm just like going through my head all the ways that they fucked up. I'd be like, oh well, they should have done this and they should have done that. Like the kid gets out at one point, he like tries to climb over the gate when there's like a, it's just like barred off by a hedge. I'm like, just run through the hedge, man. I'm like what is this? Just he has to like wade through the lake instead. I'm like, you didn't need to do that. There's just all these things that they could have done. And I guess, like, when you're in the moment, maybe you don't think of these things, but when you're I do that with, uh, bored with a lot by of a movie, you just, you just, when you're bored by a movie, you do, like, nitpick these things, and it's, maybe it's not the fault of the movie, but it's just, it's, it's how the mind wanders. Well, it's inevitably going to happen in any movie. If you give someone enough time, they probably will just start nitpicking, especially if you're bored of a movie where it's not got your interest. Like, this film had, for both me and you, I didn't get to the point where I was nitpicking it, but I have done in in previous films. And uh, yes, the, the exact same. Like, the moment you start to think, well, why didn't you just do this instead? Any film is going to get ruined at that point. 
any film. Yeah. I was interested enough, I guess. Um, just like after the kid died, I sort of just dropped off, though, because nothing really significant happened, I guess. <laughs> it was just like... Max at that right, point was just like the they're trying to hit get... his crescendo. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, they're spending all this time, they're like, we can't waste any time. We gotta get out of here. And I'm like, waste, waste what time? Your son's dead. Like, what, what, what do you mean, waste time? There's, there's like a great moment when, like, it's like this sort of twist where the, the mother's trying to get help. She's like out on the road. And then they come back. That was like chilling. I was like, oh, God, it's going to do this. They like come back. That was like like the golf ball rolls on the floor on the floorboards. Makes this sound, and then you just like you're like, oh god, they're back, and then they come back. It's like, oh, we're gonna do this again. Now they're definitely gonna die. I loved that golf ball bit. It was so eerie. Foreshadowing, mate. Foreshadowing. Yeah, I was gonna say that was something that they kind of set up earlier in the film as well. Does anyone else have uh, anything more to add? Um, what did everyone think of the really loud punk song that played like three times in the film? It sounded like know what? passenger of shit. At the beginning of the film, it was when it first played, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was just like listening. It was like very calm music. It was a one shot as well, like just following the cutter. Well, not one shot, but a long shot on following the cutter. I just found it really funny that this like heavy punk fucking metal songs playing. But like in the film, these guys are just like singing along to classic music, and it's just really strange to see this like punk graffiti text come up behind this like metal song, and there's just this like typical nuclear family in the car just like dancing to it. Yeah, it was fun. I like that. Yeah, that's where I the thought, movie dropped off for me. I thought <laughs> there was like something wrong with the version on YouTube. At first, I was like, "Is this supposed to be in the film, or has this just been randomly put in?" Uh, it was uh, was pretty funny. I think it sort of fit though. It plays like at the end as well, just like this freeze frame on Paul because they like at the end once they push the mum into the the lake, they go to another house, and it's like, "Oh, they're just going to do it again." For this other family, it's like this sort of cycle with them. And it just like it pauses on Paul's face, and it's just like this metal soundtrack playing, and it stays on his face for like a minute. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then it ends, and I'm just like, probably didn't need to show it for that long. Do you know what I've just thought of though? Right. So you know when the guy comes over and asks for eggs, um, because. One of his friends is like making something and they've ran out of eggs. Yeah. Well, he does mm. the exact same thing to the next person that I'm guessing the film is hinting at he, they're going to murder next. So, does that mean at the beginning of the film, he has already murdered the other family and he's come over to say, so and so needs to borrow your eggs? Because he murders that family and does the exact same thing. I think that's the implication. Yeah. Yeah. He does say at one point that. They're not the first family that they've done that to. Mm. A lot to read between the lines in these films. Yeah. Has anyone else got anything? I haven't known. I don't think so. No. Let's get into the racing. Right. We'll do this one as golf balls. Nice. Um, Yeah, I really love this film. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favourite Hanukkah film of the ones I've seen. That will probably go to... The film Amour, which is like the most depressing film I've ever watched. 
Um, so that's a fun time that I recommend. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really well-made movie. I love um, Hanukkah's. The film's basically just a statement on like violence in films, and I think he gets that across really well. And yeah, I I wouldn't say I enjoyed the film, but I don't think that was the point. I found it very disturbing, well-made film. I'm going to give it nine golf balls out of ten. Fucking hell. Very nice. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, um, I like this movie. I didn't really have any emotional investment in it. So like, when you're just sitting there with like, you're not like emoting in any way, what can you really do? Um, it's going to affect different people in different ways. I do think the filmmaking was very good. The acting was good. I just didn't really connect with the characters themselves. Uh, apart from like maybe Paul, who was probably like, the best one there. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't. I don't know if I'd watch it again. Honestly, maybe I will in like a few years, but not anytime soon. Um, it didn't really. It's not very creepy. It's not very like. Honestly, it's not very entertaining for me. But it's. I appreciate like more like the te- technical aspect and what it's trying to say thematically. So I'm going to give it uh, six golf balls out of ten um i uh, i will carry on max's point where he said he doesn't know if he'll watch this film again i will not watch this film again um it like like max i wasn't invested in the characters the film wasn't interesting um i did however it is a good film i just didn't like it but i will say that it is one of the more refreshing home evasion movies that i have watched where as we spoke about, a lot of them follow the same trope and they're so focused on violence to scare and shock the audience where, as we spoke about and as Chris has brought up, this one is a lot more psychological in, in terms of like just how some scenes are shot, what happens during the movie, and I think that is very different to what is out of out there. I just didn't find the movie interesting, which is why I wouldn't watch it again. But it is a good movie if you're going to watch it. Um, so I'm going to give this a five golf balls out of five out of ten. <laughs> nice. Just nearly gave it a perfect score. <laughs> five out of five out of ten. So, okay. one movie down. We got We're on to one Mac movie Packers down. now. We're on to mine. I recommended the uh, 2008 movie directed by Darren Lynn Boozman called Repo, the genetic opera. Uh, this gothic rock musical set in the mid 21st century I'd say uh, mass organ failure leads to the rise of the company Geneco who provide high priced organ transplants those who cannot pay are hunted down by mercenary repo men who repossess the organs uh, amid this dystopian world Shiloh uh, a young teenager is seeking information on her family's past and a cure for the disease that she is afflicted with. What do we think of this? Do you know what? There's something musical. terrifying about, like, fuck me. I sometimes get a bit hesitant on whether I'm going to make a car insurance payment and they're going to re- repossess my car. Like, let alone having, like, there's a, a scene in the movie where the guy kills someone and just rips out his spine and then delivers it to the to the, the guy that obviously owns Jinko, the company. I'm like, that's just fucking horrifying. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, I said, in a lot the, like, of gore. like I said in the chat to you guys, this genuinely felt like I was watching a feature-length Evanescence music video. Yeah, this yeah. this was more fitting to be 
a music video for an album than what Chris recommended on the Alien Marathon that we did. The Daft Punk film. Yeah, this made more sense, and this wasn't a music video for any Evanescent songs, but it just looked like it. And I don't know who recommended you this film, Max, but it's like, when you... Like, I thought this film was from the 19... Like, 1997. I thought this was Chris's recommendation era. I knew it was your recommendation, but I thought this was the film that was based in 1997. I thought it was going to be about, like, the opera, because I just read the last word. (laughs) And then when I started watching this film, I was like, have I got the right fucking thing? I had to check, and I was like, what on earth is this film? Yeah, you got the genetic opera, and they show up uh, at the very end. Oh, yeah, no, no, of course. But, like, like, I watch this film, and then I compare it to things like Mamma Mia or Rocket Man and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I understand it's a musical, but you can have a conversation where you don't sing, right? At least in, like, films like Mamma Mia, which is a musical, they set it up. And then it's done. And you have a bit of a good time. And then you relax till the next song. This one, they're like midway through conversation. Like the dad and the daughter are talking. And then she just starts singing to him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? This reminds me of the episode of Scrubs. Where the woman has a head injury and everyone just starts singing to her. And I'm like, (laughs) my god. Just chill. What a great episode. That was a really good episode. That's how musicals are though. That's like how some musicals are. Like literally everything is singing. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but they're like midway through conversation and then they start singing and then they stop. This was exactly like Greenland when Gerard Butler just kept flicking between two accents. Have any of you watched that yet? Not yet. No. He starts the movie off American and then goes Scottish and I'm like, why has he changed? And then it's like, in the film, he's meant to be Scottish. I'm like, why was he talking American then? You wouldn't gain an American accent. You would have a like mishmash of both. But that's not the movie we're talking about. If I no, it is not. Was. <laughs> um, I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, really did not like it at all. <laughs> I, can, I can agree with I, that. I didn't have a good time at all. This is um quite possibly the most painful film we've watched on the podcast for me. So you, Aww, Chris, really? you know you said about there's the scene in good. Is it what, what's that film called? Good laughs, funny games, funny games. Sorry, um, good laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> in funny games, where the mum's just like after a kid's just been shot and she's just sitting there for three minutes, traumatized. That was me throughout this whole entire film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like massive I, spoiler for I, funny games. There, I was I was watching this and like. You know when you're playing, like, a game, and you know, like, how Cyberpunk, like, 2077 is, where the game just crashes and it doesn't know what it's doing? That was my brain watching this movie. I didn't know what was happening, and I didn't know how to process it. Like, I don't like this type of music anyway, so to watch a musical on music that you don't really listen to, (laughs) not really a good start. Yeah, I completely agree. All the music's just like really cringy, like new metal. Like yeah. it all does sound like Evanescence, but somehow worse. Like, <laughs> d- and it's not even that the style of music is something I don't like. Obviously, that doesn't help. But the biggest problem with the music is it's just shit. 
Like the <laughs> lyrics are laughably bad at points. The instrumentation stuff's not very good either. The, all the, there's so many songs and none of them really stand out at all. All of them are so forgettable. And like none of the performers seem to want to be there either. And all the performances, I just feel like most of them are really bad. Um, they got Paul Savino, who's the head of Genko, who plays Paulie mm-hmm. in Goodfellas. He looks like he's like trying to work out where his career went wrong for him to end up there. Wait, that's the same got... guy from Goodfellas? Yeah, he plays Paulie. Fucking hell. I've just realised I haven't got my camera on. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, there's Anthony Stewart Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Who, um, and Merlin. Yeah. And one episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Mate, this he's, film was he's just... He's got a really good... He's got a really good singing voice, but his voice doesn't fit this sort of music. So a lot of it just sounded really weird. And also a lot of his performances were really badly auto-tuned. And it just sounded so artificial. And also when he's like in the few scenes where he speaks... His like American accent is super terrible, and it keeps dropping out and going back to his normal British accent. Mate, I, I think a lot of the people in this film can sing. Like there are some really good, like vocalists in this uh, in this uh film. Not musicians, Max, vocalists. And um, <laughs> but like you said, like the music was just shit. There's the scene where. What, the dad comes home and that woman, I can't with the weird eyes, is just like come round their house and she's in her bedroom kicking off and there's like the live band and she's singing into this microphone in her bed. Like that whole entire like scene, I was like, can I just fast forward this? It was yeah. so cringy. The lyrics were shit. Like it was just like. The guy in the background playing the guitar was just like, no, just this whole fucking, this, this vibe is not good. Yeah, that's one of the only songs I noted down, and I just put, this song's fucking cringe. <laughs> okay, what I'm Max, hearing, guys, Max looks defeated. is that you didn't like this movie. I'm kind of upset by that. Max, but, this was literally no, how I felt. Like, for the first ten episodes, well, I'd just recommend shit, and we'd be like, what are, they, what are the ratings? It'd be like, one. Okay, here's the thing. This movie is god-awful. This movie is terrible. It sucks. It sucks ass. I knew that going into it. I've seen this movie three times. Of course I knew it sucked. Of course I knew it was terrible. Wait, I recommended what? it because I wanted you guys to have a Why? horrible time. Yeah, okay? but if, if I've you... been recommending too many good movies lately. I just wanted to bring it down a little bit. Just to, Wait, if you just to knew, level out my standing. If you knew this movie was god-awful, why is this your third time watching it? <laughs> well, that's a good question, and I'll tell you. I understand. Every One time, time I w- you watched the movie, it was shit. The second time, you recommend it to despite us all. Where was the second time? Here's the thing. I watched this movie for the first time a couple of years ago. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was quite drunk. And in Fucking my inebriation, I suppose I just found like part of it to be uh, maybe not good, but memorable. I'm like, wow, this movie is really sticking in my mind. Better get the DVD, watch it again. I watched it again. No, no. Uh, oh my. Sometime later. Oh, man. 
<laughs> well, that wasn't the fucking DVD to watch yeah, it again. I was like, Man, that wasn't nearly as good as I remember it being when I was drunk. And the reason I recommended it was just because I don't want to be alone in watching being the only one who's watched this terrible movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I understand. And I, don't, I own the DVD. I might as well get some use out of it. You know, the. The bo- I'm confused. I agree with literally everything that you guys have said. Okay, this <laughs> movie sucks. Okay, it's terrible. The acting is horrible. The actors, like the 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 singing, sometimes could be good. From like, I liked Anthony Stewart Head. He like he seemed like he was having fun, but like, yeah, he did. To I, be I fair. fucking hated everyone else. Like the uh, Rotty Largo, the guy from uh, Paulie from Goodfellas. I thought. He did a lot of like operatic singing, and I was like, "Okay, you have a good voice, but it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work for this movie." And like, just all throughout it, I'm like, "I remember the music being a little bit better than this." The, yeah, the probably... songs sucked, man. The songs are so bad. The composition was so boring and bland. It was just like, I like Chris compared it to like new metal music, but it's like, yeah, it is that, but it's like if somebody didn't give two shits about writing a new metal song, yeah, it's just like, like the same it's two horrible. chords for an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the issue because the songs are so similar. But um, did anyone the, else? Yeah. Right. Who was the guy with the long hair that like took the little girl to like an alleyway where she like met all of his mates and they're on about this like cream and shit. That's like, oh, you inject it into the uh. Fuck! What was the word that he used? Zydrate? No, the, the zydrate. Yeah, yeah, zydrate into the body or whatever fucking word that he used. Did anyone else like he? He reminded me so much of the guy that trained Arya in Game of Thrones. <laughs> the um, no faced man. <laughs> oh right, him. Yeah, yeah, just a more gothic version. He was like, kind of liked his vibe, honestly. I didn't mind him. He was very he was, over the top and just weird. He, his his name is um Terence Z Oh god. Terence Zdunik. Yeah. He was just called Grave Robber. And he like, was uh, the standout. He was so character. over the top. Yeah. He was so over the top and goofy. It's like he's robbing these graves to like steal Zydrate from which is like a potent addictive painkiller from all these corpses. And then like he's trying to like hide from the the police who were like hunting him down, and then like because he's singing it, he has to scream, just scream the word <laughs> "graves" as he's singing his song, trying not to get caught. And I'm like, "Why did you do that?" He does it twice. <laughs> yeah, he does it. He does twice. it twice, and she gets caught. Like he really, and then just... he like grabs a corpse. He grabs a corpse out of a crypt, and then he like he smashes it into some stones to get to get into another place. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And there's just like a million and one bodies underneath their house. That was that scene <sighs> for me, especially at the opening of a movie, or like fairly in the beginning of the movie, she, he's just like shouting grace, and she's like, no, you're going to get us caught. I'm like, what the fuck have you done, and what's going on? <laughs> this movie, this movie was fucking awful. Like, I just, honestly, I... I don't think I've watched. I'd much rather watch Goodnight Mr. Tom ten times than watching this once on time ten speed. Now, that's not saying Goodnight Mr. Tom's a bad movie. That's saying I'd much rather waste, like, 20 hours of my life watching that film than watching an hour of this. 
because it's that bad. <laughs> you do that a lot, man. Like, just like, here's this random movie I'll pull out of like the depths of my memory to compare to this. And there's nothing to do with it. Good night, Mr. Tom. I'd rather watch that a million times. <laughs> yeah. His, they couldn't be further apart. Like, that's the point. Yeah. There's it's like, not the only time you've referenced that film either. No, it's not. <laughs> maybe you should recommend it one of these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe we'll, we'll do like um, an episode where it's like 90s and below, and I'll, I'll recommend Goodnight, Mr. Tom. Max can have a hard on but- over that episode. Oh, my 90s movies. You can recommend another fucking Forbidden Planet. There's been a lot actually, of sex for this actually, movie. No, it's like this isn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Forbidden Planet is the worst movie I've ever seen. They built a lot of sets for this movie. It's like I think they like shot it all in one studio. So and it does feel like that because it's all very cramped together. Yeah, a lot of narrow spaces and like the rest of it, they just stitched together with just really terrible CG modeling. Like when they're like panning over like the city at the beginning, it looks awful. It looks <laughs> so bad. There's I watched that scene, and there's a scene in Blade Runner, the original, where it's just a still frame, and I don't know if it's, like, just done, like, computerized. You know at the beginning of the film where it's, like, I can't can't describe it, the beginning of Blade Runner, where it's just, like, the long shot of the tower, and then there's, like, a landing platform, and it's all these cars driving along. I watched that, right, and I was like, that was a fucking better establishing shot of a city, and that film was made decades before this movie and it was so much better than this shit yeah i i don't know i assumed they were probably going for like a cartoony like over the top style in that cgi like i i think it was supposed to look a bit cheesy in camp but it still doesn't work it still looks awful yeah well cheese cheese cheesy in camp is what i'd say is in like a fucking leprechaun movie or like a fucking Jason X, that sort of like cheesy in camp, or like if Friday the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like that was just they're good. This was just shit. Well, there's parts of this movie that are like they act as like exposition and backstory for different characters. Fucking hate it. It's just like, and now we'll go on to the backstory of this character and then this character, and it's all done in this like animated comic book looking style. And it's just like I think the the overall look of the movie was trying to emulate that in a in a yeah. type of way, but it just it does not work at all. I think there's like it like it looks horrible. Okay. Like all of it looks horrible. There's like all the, the sets are like disgusting to look at. All these walls with like brown black smears all over it. And it's like that's sort of what they're going for. They're trying to lean more into the gothic side of it. But it looks like shit. Like, yeah. Honestly, like, the Resident Evil movies are fucking awful in terms of, like, their CGI and their acting and their plot. And even the worst of them is probably better than this. Yeah. Every every single shot of in the film looks, like, super smudged. Like, it literally yeah. looks like someone had smudged over the camera. I, I assume it was, like, to give it, like, almost like a dreamlike sort of quality. But it just doesn't work at all. It literally just looks like the camera's constantly out of focus. I remember, um, like, in 2011, maybe 2010, I um, recorded a free-running video with... Uh, do you remember those flip USB cameras? Yeah, I yeah. had one for years. Yeah, man. So I recorded a whole free-running video in a day, 
and I accidentally put a thumb smudge over the screen on like most of the shots. Yeah, yeah probably still better than that. <laughs> um, going back to the comic book stuff that uh, Max was talking about, I felt like that was like kind of cool at first, like when the film started off like that, but like. It's just like five, ten minutes of exposition, and it just goes on for way too long. Like it's stuff that they easily could have just explained in the film. And then after that, it just there's just lots of like backstory and stuff that doesn't need to be explained or delved into. Like it's stuff that maybe you could release as like its own standalone short film or comic or something just for like the diehard fans. But none of it's like important information that you need to understand what's going on. Well, it's no. also trying to be part. Of, I don't know if you guys know this. It's also trying to be part of like a trilogy. Yeah, they're like setting up things for like other stuff, and it's just it doesn't work because it's like, well, I would rather just watch a movie that's like contained and knows what it is and tries to be its own thing, other than just like something that, like I heard a lot about like the the Mummy, the new Mummy movie, trying to do that, and it didn't work. And that's sort of the vibe I got from this, especially towards the end. There, honestly, there are parts of the world. And like the world, the world building that I actually don't mind, but I think it would just work in a better movie. It does not work yeah. in it's like <laughs> surgery being a fashion statement. Like I like that. It's like a commentary on like the entertainment industry or like the fashion industry, but it's just not done well. I think you just dug way too deep. To be fair, Max, <laughs> I just think they tried to make a movie and it just really fucking failed. But I think there are ideas here that just don't come together. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, I, I think the idea of like the actual repo man, like taking like organs and stuff away if you can't pay it. I think that's a really great idea, and it could have been handled <laughs> well if there was like some actual talent behind it. And I also, I kind of do like like the universe that they create in a way, like. Just how like dystopian, industrial, and like almost steampunk it is. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Bioshock games, but again, it's something that could have been handled a lot better if there was maybe a different director and writer behind the film. Yeah, and, and t- like put more effort into the songs. If you're gonna make a musical, don't make every song the same. Yeah, bullshit, bad lyric flat-toned, basic song. A lot of the songs didn't rhyme at all and like they were completely out of time. And sometimes yeah. people didn't even sing. They just spoke the words. Mate, there was, that's yeah. the word. Anatomy I was trying to think of. There's, he's fucking rhyming anatomy with anatomy. <laughs> yeah. It's, my yeah. favourite My favorite line out of any of the songs was Ashes, dust, my children were robust. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I just found it really funny. I can't remember any of the lyrics for any of these songs, and I can't tell you... Like, this is the thing, right? Because they would go from talking and then mid-sentence, they'd go to singing. Although it was a musical, the songs did not differentiate from each other whatsoever, because there there was no break in between them. It was no. a little bit of talking, singing, a little bit of talking, singing. It's like, in other musicals, they do the, the whole show, the musical, the song... And then it gets back to the story, and then the song enhances that. This, it was just speak a little bit, sing a little bit, speak a little bit, sing a little bit, speak a little bit, sing a little bit. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Even if you like, you do want to do that, like it can work well if the songs are good. Like if you have the good songs, you can have that literally as like the only thing in the film without 
like actual speaking between them, but none of the songs are good. They all just sound the exact same. There was like one song I noticed that sounded a little bit different, which like kind of just sounded like it was ripping off some of the songs from Nightmare Before Christmas, like that jazzy musical theatre stuff with like a gothic sort of edge. But the rest of it is just all the exact same thing. There's like a part where um the two sons of uh, Brotty Largo, who's the CEO of Dinko, are like, uh, singing to each other, I guess, and um, yeah, like there's like Luigi, who's like this arrogant prick, and then there's um Pavi, who's like got a different face sewn onto his face, and like Luigi's like just being like, I'm the smartest and the toughest. I will find a hole and fuck it. It's like, oh, fucking <laughs> yeah. And then he <laughs> says, if there isn't one, I'll make one or something. Yeah. And then he just like he goes, ah, oh, fuck it. He just, like, gets someone and just kills them, just right then and there, just because. Like, yeah, he's, oh like, God. he's so over the top and, like, weird. It's like a character from fucking Lazy Town or something. It's, like, basically yeah. Robbie Rotten. <laughs> he, was, he was way too much. He was too much for me. Um, too big of a person, as, as was Pavi. I just hated, like, his, his fucking face and his, like, voice. I hated it. He's, like, got this really high-pitched tone to his voice and his hate it very over the top with everything oh, it was just horrible to listen to anything more to add lads sure did you oh, like the part dear. where um, <laughs> blind max she's like shiloh's godmother or something she like goes up to the house and then like she like gets let in she's like shiloh i'm your i'm your godmother or something and then like she like projects like a video out of her eyes to show to Shiloh <laughs> and she's just like, singing along with the song that's also being projected out of her eyes I don't know where the audio is coming what her ears <laughs> I don't know how this is happening it was so stupid but really funny that scene was just weird she's like let me in no and then she runs downstairs opens the door and then runs back upstairs <laughs> yeah it's just yeah and it's like ugh, I, I don't know but me. Honestly, this film just has melted my brain. I don't even know how to talk about it. No. I don't know what to comment on other than what I already have. It's, what 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 fucking story plot? <laughs> what acting? I have no clue. Do we comment on the acting or do we comment on their performance? Because a musician doesn't act. Well, it's acting, isn't it? Is it um, though? But it's also they're singing. singing constantly. Yeah, of course it is. They're playing characters. Right. So it's, it's not like 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 they get up onto a stage and they just sing. Well, like there's like as as bad as it is, there is a story going on. So which is not good. Would you class a David Bowie live performance as him acting then? Because he took on personas. I would. Well, sure. fuck you then. All right. Well, well, their acting was shit. There we go. <laughs> of course it was. It was. Shit. <laughs> How do we like Paris Hilton? Alright, there's the elephant in the room. I've put it out there. Paris Hilton is in this movie. She, like, put up a lot of money to make this film. Wait, was like, she? It was going to go under. Yeah. The, I kept the, forgetting it, This movie was, was going to go under, and she, she was like, I've got to get this movie made. Okay, I'm not going to compromise on your dream, Darren Lynn Postman. I'm going to put up the money Who did she to play? get this movie made. Played Amber, the, um, the daughter of Rotty Largo. What, the one that has just, you like, remember. constant plastic surgery? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise. The last time I saw 
uh, what's her name again? Paris Hilton. The last time I saw Paris Hilton in any show of any kind, it was when a gay man jumped on her head and she went all the way up his ass. That was South Park, by the way. <laughs> and then she met a magical rat that showed her the way out. Hell yeah. But she's just so terrible in this movie. She's like a standout as well. But just because like, she's one of the only women in it, I guess. But it's just like, she's so like bad in this movie. Overly over the top and sexual and just everything she yeah. does. It's just horrible to look at. <laughs> she won a Razzie for her performance in it. Oh, I mean, man. There's the scene that's just like where the guy is injecting her when he's singing about this like addictive painkiller and he's like yeah she she's addicted to it because of all the surgery she has and then like she just like leans up against the wall and like he props her leg up and just gets as close to her vag as possible and just injects this into it i'm like stop (laughs) trying so hard to just be edgy just fucking inject it in her arm that was my favorite song in the movie i don't know if you guys have a favorite song Zydrate Anatomy, which was that scene. That's my favourite song. It's just I, so lame. It's so stupid and lame, but I, I kind of like it. I can't distinguish any of the songs from each other because no. they're <laughs> all the exact same. This, this is what I mean. It just feels like it was one long song. Like, if they made a soundtrack for this movie, like, I couldn't tell you where one song would start and another would end. I couldn't tell you what the track names would be. It's all on Spotify. Yeah. There it is. Is it actually? Well, yeah. yeah. I what? went on to our um, playlist we've got, and Max added one of the songs. <laughs> yeah. It was that one, Zydrate Anatomy, because that's my favourite song. Fair enough, that's it. nowhere near as bad as Chris adding <laughs> the whole entirety uh, of the discography of Anal Cunt to a playlist. Yeah. And then well, no we've, one... got the entire, we've got the entire discography of Scatman John on our playlist. That video you sent the other day, Scatman John at 50%, or was it 25%? Horrified. Honestly, it's just. I'd much rather watch that than watch this film. <laughs> yeah, so would I. I do. Uh, I think Chris brought this up. I do hate that, like, 17 song that Shiloh sings in her bedroom, which just everything, like, turns that into, like, me. This, like. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, like, this, like, emo shit and she's just like running around her bedroom like saying fuck you to her dad just yeah. pulling her middle fingers up at him yeah. and like <laughs> he's just like trying to keep her safe I guess he's like oh, a teenager I can't take it with the rebellious and it's like one of the lyrics to that song was like dad I hate you go and die <laughs> I'm like oh god oh shut up please shut up <laughs> also for some reason during that scene Joan Jett the musician was just playing guitar in the background yeah that was really weird oh, I don't know why <laughs> yeah. she was there she was just standing there had to look it up because I was like, surely Joan Jett isn't in this film. But yeah, she was there. Oh, so lame. You guys like when like Blind Max was doing her performance at the end? She was like, because she was like owned by Jinko because they did her eyes. And then she's like, I will not be owned by Jinko anymore. And she stabs her own eyes out <laughs> with her nails. And then she falls off of like the, uh, the strings that are suspending her. And she just, like, gets impaled on this fence below. Oh, Jesus Christ. What the hell is happening? I guess she's right. Jinko aren't owning her anymore because she's dead. Yeah. yeah. They just wanted to be as gruesome as possible. I think that's, like, Darren Lynn Boozman's thing. I mean, he did, like, some of the Saw movies, so I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, but when, it's just, it's so 
lame. When this was loading up on Prime, which I think I'm going to start a petition to get this movie taken off Prime. Um, <laughs> there was a, as soon as like the Lucasfilms logo came up, I was like, all right, I know what we're in for. Yeah. Lionsgate, you mean? That's the one, Lionsgate. Lucasfilm. I no, said it's it. I, when 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 the logo came up and I was watching the film, I went, "This is Lionsgate." Oh no, Lucasfilms, and now I've just done the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think after like the hour point in this film, my way, my brain went into shock and it just completely shut off. I don't really remember anything that happened after that. Does that mean we can just go straight to the ratings? Please, please. Fine. I can see we don't want to talk about this movie anymore. No. Matt, one thing Chris, do I not say, say one more thing, please. It's not Go actually. Ahead, it's not like anything about the film. It's like the what after the film came out, it was like a massive financial failure. It cost them eight and a half million dollars to make, and it only mm-hmm. grossed a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Oh my god, that is Jesus. fucking horrid. That's not even like just in America. That's worldwide as well. Oh. What, not just opening weekend, the whole entirety of its lifespan in cinemas? The, yeah, the whole entirety of its lifespan. I think it was only in cinemas for like a month or two, to be fair. Oh, Jesus. But now it's got a massive cult following and people seem to love it for some reason. Max, who yeah. showed you this? Just some like old friends, I guess. That I well, you knew said from, they like, were friends, friends of friends. They were like friends of friends, you know? Well, you need when to. When you're just like at like, a party and they're like, let's put this movie on. Do you know what type of people I assume would like this movie? You know there's that video going around of those goths dancing underneath the bridge that people have put Thomas the Tank Engine over them. Yeah. 90% of everyone who goes to Delight every week. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. none of this playlist has started playing in Delight Night, to be fair. Or it has, but it's instantly come on. We've just shut down and ignored it. Yeah. It's definitely a niche movie for a certain type of person. Maybe I was hoping that one of you guys would be that type of person and just Max, love it, and you, then we'd have like this said big debate. You said at the beginning but... of this review that you knew it sucked and you wanted to put us through it. Don't give us the bullshit that you hoped one of us would like it. You wanted us to suffer. Well, it would have been interesting. It surely would have been interesting could if you one imagine, of you had loved it. Could you yeah. imagine if someone like me or Chris was like, mate, this film was fucking incredible. This film was so good. Well, it's really divisive. Like, on Letterboxd, there's not like a singular, like, range of like scores is all over the place there's people giving it half stars people giving it five stars it's like yeah it's, it's really weird it has a big following and i really do not understand how mm. maybe it's just the case of like it's so bad it's good i think so no, i think that is it. kind of what it's going for because it is quite similar in a way to the rocky horror picture show and how it's like meant to be like really cheesy and over the top but yeah. that film's like actually good and has good music in it. It's definitely trying to have like a sort of parody element to it. Maybe people just think that that's what they're going for and they love it for that. But it just it it only goes so far and it doesn't really. I just think it tried it. way way too hard. Like there's a bit of like even if a film like I've never seen Rocky Horror Show, but from the way you're describing it, there's still a bit of class to the movie. They, it's not like they're throwing everything at the fucking wall and hoping it sticks, like, sort of thing. I don't know, it's a film about transvestite aliens from the planet Transsexual, so... That is not what I expected that movie to be about. (laughs) Yeah, it's a film for another time. Mm. 
Right, uh, should we rate this out of Evanescence songs? I don't know. Out of Repossessions? Yeah, if you want to get basic, we'll go over... Out of... Out of Mr. Tom's. Do you know what? Let's all just have our own. (laughs) (laughs) Out of Paris Hilton's. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Unanimous vote, two verse one. Go on then, Chris. Um, You start. This film... This film sucks. It does everything wrong that a musical can do, even as... Like a cheesy tongue-in-cheek sort of parody thing, it just doesn't work. Because a, it's not funny. B, the music just doesn't work. And C, the film's just ugly and obnoxious. I honestly think this is the worst film we've reviewed on the podcast. I honestly preferred Puppy Star Christmas. I forgot that we reviewed that movie. Big. Yeah, Uh, I'm gonna give it one. Saw 7 out of 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Movie's not good. It's a terrible, terrible movie. Um, but I think, like, Anthony Stewart was having a good time. I, I could get on board with some of the st- stupid, cheesy music, but, like, like some of it. Like, sometimes I'll, like, listen to Zydrate Anatomy just on my own. Just, just cuz. Cause I think it's, like, it's, it's, Fine. I don't like. I I don't think it's a good song, but it's like kind of an ironic listen, I guess. Even though it's like it's like a guilty pleasure, I suppose. Um, but other than that, it looks terrible. It um, the music composition is horrendous, and no song kind of differentiates itself between the other songs because like characters are always singing, so it's just. <laughs> This big clump of character singing you get out of it, and you're just like, "Wow, that was like just like a big like hit," and then then it's done. It's a very short movie; it's an hour and a half. But I think um, you guys had to take a couple of breaks from it because you was having such a terrible time. Yeah, um, I, I went not I, I just yeah, I guess just at the end of the day, I didn't have like that terrible a time with it, where it's like I just really wanted to like pluck my eyes out you know um but at the same time i recognize that it's a terrible terrible movie and you probably shouldn't watch it unless you want to have a bad time Mm -hmm. so i think i don't it doesn't really puts me off of any darren lynn boozman movie ever um probably not going to watch any of his other movies i think what did he direct like saw three or two i saw those two three four I think maybe he did five as well, and he's doing the new one that's about to come out. Yeah, I think I've seen two and three, but there was a long time ago. I don't really remember them, and I'm not really a big fan of Saw anyway. Um, this is sort of like Saw with like the gore and everything, but it just, you know, it doesn't. It's it's just shit. The Saw films <laughs> are actually it... funny. Yeah, and this maybe it's like sometimes you can laugh at it, but it's quite painful at the end of the day. Um, yeah, three Paris Hiltons. Out of ten, um, I'm going to keep this brief. Uh, we've never had a movie on the podcast where all three of us have spent half an hour slagging it off. So for that, it's going to get a zero. I'm not going to fucking rate it. It was an awful movie, terrible. I'd never watch this again. Um, I'm a bit annoyed that you threw away "Stay Alive" as soon as that arrived. Yet you've still got the DVD of this. I think this needs to join it in the bin. <laughs> nah, each to their I'll own. <laughs> there we go. Now I just need to recommend something to try and top Max for the worst reviewed film on the podcast. 
Is that yeah. is is that our worst reviewed movie so far? Um, actually, I think Puppy Star Christmas still is. I think all of us gave it a one. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I, I I didn't expect anyone to get as close to me. Um, in all honesty, but how the mighty have fallen, Max. I've got something planned in a couple of weeks that could compete. So look forward to that. Is we'll it see. the porn version of E.T.? I've already watched it. Nine oh, out shit. of ten. Um, I'll think of something else. <laughs> Alright, so that brings us on to the last film, which was mine. Trial of the Chicago 7, which was uh, based off true events. So essentially, um, it was in protest of a war, if I remember correctly. Um, Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah, right, just so I remember correctly, because there's so many wars, I just can't remember which one people protest. Um, and it's like the, the head of these Three organizations are planning a peaceful protest um, in Chicago outside where an announcement's happening, I guess. And um, they get arrested and charged with a law which is essentially prosecuting them for crossing state borders with the intent to cause violence. Um, And it's alleged throughout the film that it was the police that started the riots but these guys end up going to prison um despite the fact that the acting uh state i don't remember what the guy's position was in all fairness um chief of police i want to say uh admitted that it was the police that started the riot and uh yeah what do we think of it it's all right uh, i don't know I've seen this movie before i just um I thought it was fine when I watched it the first time, and this time I just, uh, I, like, just my enthusiasm for it kind of dropped off. I don't really care much about the story that's being told. Um, I think, like, Aaron Sorkin, he's a good writer, but his direction is not that solid. It's like a kind of, the kind of movie that you don't even have to, like, watch to understand what's happening. You can just, like, if you were blind, you'd still understand what was going on in this movie. <laughs> Like there's no there's no personality to the direction. I don't really like that. And just on top of it, I don't really care about uh, like the trial or like what's like. I don't care about like the characters or just what's going on. I think you know? Max, where it's based on true events, right? If everything that was in this movie or the large majority of it is in the movie, that is true. Not caring about the characters is fine. But fuck me, what a shitty government and what a shitty state of law you have where you are discrediting um, information from the person that conducted the investigation against the people you're prosecuting just because it's in favour of the people you are prosecuting. The judge was racist. Like, it's just, mate, honestly, this is a fucking other movie that makes me hate governments, right? Just fucking get rid of them. The judge was very um, incompetent. He was a fucking... There was, was judges that, like, honestly said his behaviour was, well, not reckless, but un- uncondoned or not condoned. Because, like, people just be tr- trying to make points. The guy's questioning a witness um, about, obviously, oh, if he offered you 100000 grand, $100,000 to, to end it, um do you think he's being serious? And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, you know, bribery or plagiarism is an actual thing. And the judge is like, move on. We're not talking about this. And it's like, no, he's making a point to discredit 
someone that is in favour of your own agenda, like, mate, they're fucking awful. Like, this is exactly, and this happens in today's day and age, even still, it's just like, and fucking Trump was a maniac for this, just manipulating things to be in his own favour. Oh, mate, I'm fucking on it again. You've started me off. Fuck the government. Don't don't say Trump, read or appear. <laughs> no, it's not Trump. You say the Clinton kill list. And, uh, uh, he got me. I think this is a case of a film where the real-life events are probably more interesting than the actual film. Like, I do think they're portrayed in, like, a very decent way. Um... And I don't think the film's like particularly bad or anything. I do enjoy a lot of the film, like especially like the courtroom scenes. Those those were probably the bits I enjoyed the most, like seeing the uprest and arguing. It's pretty entertaining. But like Max said, the characters just are really uninteresting. They don't really feel like real people and it just like stops you really being able to invest into what is happening. Like I had no emotional investment over the actual trial. The only bits that were really getting a reaction out of me was the incompetence of like the judge and stuff. Apart from that, I didn't really care at all. And that's because he's like very over the top. You're like supposed to really. He's supposed to grind your gears, you know. Was Borat in this movie? Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, I his, tried his to performance remember. is so so. I tried it's kind of whatever. I tried to remember his name, but I got Sasha. He's the funny man. He's a funny man, and he's he's on the he's in the trial, and he's funny, and that's his character, and it, like his his partner as well. Who would he play? Abby Hoffman, and then his partner was Jerry Rubin. There was such like a, a comic relief characters, like especially Rubin, who I just didn't like at all. He was such a stereotyped hippie character. Yeah, he's really found that, his that, scenes grating. The, the scene where they see um Joseph Gordon Levitt in the park, the lawyer. And he's like, oh, does she still talk about me? You can't do that to me. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a little bit like over the top. Not funny. It's trying too hard to be funny. Abby Hoffman, uh, played by uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's like doing like a stand-up thing, like a speech throughout the movie. Mm. Like it keeps going back to it. Like he's just delivering exposition. It's like, and here's what happened next. And then this happened and this happened. I'm like, dude, like just... Why, why are you cutting back to this every yeah. five minutes? I don't care. I got slightly confused it. when that started happening, because I was like, is he, is he talking about what's happening now, giving exposition to the movie, or is this like, yeah. supposed to be a flashback of what happened on one of the nights of the protest? Yeah, we don't know. Is it happening before the trial, after the trial, during the trial? Mm. I don't know. But I think... I don't know. The thing with this movie is that it highlights yet again that governments are flawed, right? And that fine, agendas... but like, why is that not something that I could get out of like a, a uh, an you, essay? You, you rate the you movies, know, you should or please. like an article. You, you rate, yeah, you, yeah, you you could do, but I just just fucking hate that thing. Like this stuff is like just common, and people get away with it, and no one gives a shit. Yeah. There's obviously a lot about like the, the the story that's being told that would probably connect with a lot of people. I think a lot of people do love this movie, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that I I I understand what it's trying to communicate, and on some level, I guess I care about like what they're talking about. But it's like I 
care no more than I would in like a history lesson, you know? I get what you mean. Like, you obviously care about the, the history, but the way it's delivered to you was legit a bit... It's essentially like being in a classroom. Just, like my... You, it's very static. Yeah, my history teacher was a cunt. Like, just made me hate it, which is why I never turned up to the exams. I really didn't care that I got a U. I think I um, said uh, in a previous episode about um, Steve McQueen's Small Axe series, there's a, a movie in there that's called Mangrove, and that sort of, uh, it shows like a trial, the uh, people as well. And I thought that to be much more engaging. Steve McQueen. In terms of like a court case from- about showing um, like oppressed individuals. Oh, fuck me, I thought you meant Lightning McQueen from Cars. <laughs> no. Completely different. One's a car, was, one's a person. Honestly, I was sitting there thinking, what, is there like a mini-series where the cars go on trial for something? If only. To be fair, no. Mangrove in a lot of ways is quite a similar film. Like, the reason why they're in court is like the exact same reason why these guys are in court. And there's a lot of like race politics and stuff. And obviously that film yeah. is also based on a true story. But that film does it a lot more in an entertaining way. And, like, he spends a lot of time developing the characters and stuff as well, so you invest more emotionally into the film. But with this, like you guys said, it just kind of feels like they're just throwing information about us rather than delivering, like, an entertaining movie. Like, it seems like they kind of forget about the fact it's a movie. But at the same time, there's a lot of, like, really cheesy stuff that they play up and a lot of, like big changes to the history that they made and I think like the ending especially is quite corny and I oh yeah that was a horrible scene I hated that so much it's like a lot to do with like the music as well which I really didn't like in this movie it's like very like upbeat and exciting like especially when it's like uh introducing the characters it's like what they're saying is not like that interesting or like what who they're introducing they're not interesting characters but like the music playing it's like ah and you're like oh my god this is so cool but it's not and then at the end they're like he's reading off like it's supposed to be this big triumphant moment where eddie redmayne gets up and he's announcing all the all the names of the, the soldiers who have died in the vietnam war and the music's like la, 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 la. and i'm like oh, i don't care it's so boring and it's so cheesy and corny it's it, oh, it just annoys me that was a big thing that they changed like from what actually happened like in reality it wasn't eddie redmayne's character at all who did that it happened right at the beginning of the trial and the person who said it listed u.s troops who had been killed and also the name of vietnamese people who had been killed so the way they just kind of throw it to the end to get an emotional reaction just feels really like disingenuous in a way well, it's like they want to like end on a high, and that's yeah. the only way they know how to do it. And then at the end, it's like here's here's the rest of the stuff that also happened, <laughs> and we're not going to show you it. We're just going to like put it on the screen and be like, I mean, and so and so died, and so and so did this, and so and so did that. It's just whatever. I mean, like if you're trying to, especially stuff that's based off true stories or true events in history, there's two ways you can go about doing it. One is make a movie, but the movie has to be entertaining enough because you're delivering essentially you're making this movie of true events to get it out to the public so you want more people to know about it i'd assume else why would it be made um so it has to be entertaining 
Like Chris said, there has to be some form of character development so you're emotionally involved. Therefore, you care about the plot, so you'd care about the the act that the film is telling you about. Or you do a documentary where you can do it over a long period of time and you just give information after information after information, and it's more educational. I think this film tried to be a documentary in a movie where it was just tried to throw information at you so much. And like Chris is just, I didn't know that it had been changed like like that. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's, it's a bit disingenuous and it takes away from why you're trying to make the movie to sort of bring this event in history to something that you said it was released last year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking something that happened in like the eighties or nineties, which or whenever the Viet War it was fucking yeah, earlier than that was sixties. Yeah, I was gonna say the Viet War, the Vietnam War did not happen in the eighties or nineties. Trying to bring something like from the sixties, nearly like eighty years ahead. So there needs to be some consideration of either making it entertaining enough or emotionally connecting enough that people give a shit or giving information in the correct way and not trying to just force it into an hour and a half. Like this could have easily bitten like uh, a four-part series on netflix i mean they have a fucking series about some guy who killed some cats and then killed someone they have a documentary about fucking madden mccann that just repeats the same shit over and over again they could have done something they could this could have easily been or it could something have just been, like that it could have just been like a 45 minute hour-long documentary yeah and i'm also not insulting those two documentaries it's awful that a guy killed animals and a person and I'm not taking the piss out of Madden McCann, just have to make myself clear. What I'm saying is the way that they were done is just awful. I don't have a massive problem with them changing bits of history to make the film like more like theatrical. Like Rocket Man is a great biopic and that does a really good job of balancing out reality and fiction in a way where you care about the characters and it's all very entertaining. Whereas this film when they create fiction or change what actually happened, it's really confusing because like it's so much of the film feels like they're just trying to recreate it verbatim without caring how theatrical and like entertaining it is. Yeah. Um I went to like make lunch. I had to pause it and make lunch, uh like in the middle and then I came back and I'd forgotten that I had been watching it. It was like a surprise to see it paused on the screen. I was like Oh fuck yeah! I was watching this movie. <laughs> I just completely forgot about it, and that's like, just that's the kind of thing when you're when you're done with this movie, nothing like is sticks. implanted into your mind. Like when nothing sticks, it's like there's no like that was a great shot, or that was an interesting camera move, or that was a great piece of acting. It's like everything's just everything's fine, but it's not great. And like this, we, we're introduced to this the Chicago Seven, but some of them are barely touched upon. You got these seven people, technically eight, and you maybe get to know like four of them, and it's just all right. What happened to the to these other people then? Like, what? The movie doesn't even care about them. Like, it barely cares about the characters that it's got on screen anyway. But then, like, th- these other people are just pushed to the wayside, and it's like it, this movie might as well have been called like the Trial of the Chicago Four, and then plus some other people also. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the the big name actors are the only characters in the film. <laughs> Everyone really else liked, is just nothing. I really like um, Bobby Seale, played by uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Like he's like one of yeah. the best parts about this movie. Is like yeah, this like black 
this black man who has nothing to do with these other people who've been protesting the war. And like, there's a great scene where he's like in jail because he's <clears throat> he's being charged with murder, which he didn't do. And then he he finds out that his um one of the the, the leader of the Black Panthers in his um the the local the Chicago chapter has been shot by a policeman and died. And like, he looks at <clears throat> like Eddie Redmayne's character. And he says, you're doing this, you're protesting this war to get back at, like, your daddy, your father, because you're like, this is like a fuck you, a middle finger to your dad. I'm doing this because I'm discriminated against and my people are dying. I was like, that's like a great moment in this movie. Yeah, he was definitely a, one of the standout characters in this movie. It was also a great scene where they're like, they, he, he's like cited with contempt of court because this judge is always handing out contempt of courts uh, to people that he doesn't like. And then they like, he's just, he doesn't have a lawyer because his lawyer is like at a hospital somewhere. And he's just trying to stand up for himself. And then he like, he's taken to another room and he's gagged and bound. And then they, they bring him out and he's just like, just the only person here who's just sat here. And it's like this black man who's tied to a chair with a gag in his mouth. It's like horrible to watch. Not, not only that, but they, they beat him up. Punched him in the stomach a few times. Yeah. I I love the part where it's like all the uh, lawyers like walk up to the the stand, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, the lawyer, is like, um, yeah, just to quit his trial. And he's like, why? Is like because the only man that is gagged, bound, or he says like because in like the American in America, there's a guy on trial that is gagged and bound and tied to a chair. And then one of the other guys makes the implication that like the judge is being racist, and he's like, oh, "Are you trying to say that the decisions that I'm making are uh, racially biased or something?" And they're like, "Yes, yes, it is." Because he's this old geezer, yeah, <laughs> who wants things done his way. The actor who and played then, like, the judge looked like a prick as well. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then like they bring in Michael Keaton like an hour and a half into the movie, and he goes on uh, the stand. And then the judge treats him very respectfully because he was like, um, like some something to the president or whatever, and and he's like, you gotta stop saying these things that I think you shouldn't say, but I'm gonna give you a warning, but please stop saying it. And it's like uh, you wouldn't have given that amount of courtesy to anyone else. Well, he doesn't, does he? I like it when um, so uh, I think he's like the chief of defense or something, it, like it, head of like the FBI or some shit, um, and. They they ask him a question about like what he talked about on the phone to the president, and the lawyer's like, "Oh, you can't say that because you can't um, disclose information with clients." And Michael Keaton's character is just like, "Oh, the president isn't a client," and the judge's face just sort of shits himself, and he's like, "Uh, yeah, carry on then." Yeah. And then like they're examining him. His name was like Ramsey Clark, I think, under voir dire, which is like the jury is not present, so they can't hear what they're saying and the judge is just like we'll do a voir dire uh if i think that anything that's been said is important i'll get the jury back in to hear it and like he says he basically reveals that the police started the riots and then the judge is like there nothing was said there that was very important i don't think the jury needs well, yeah. to hear it it's because the lawyer said that was the uh oh that was his investigation as like acting chief but they're on trial for the current investigation from the current acting chief, and it's like, no, that's such a bullshit, like, 
BS way of explaining it. And the judge is like, no. And the guy's like, are we going to get the witnesses in or the jury to, um, to hear this? And he's like, no. And he's like, so you're just going to say no, that the guy who investigated it has just said that it wasn't these guys' faults, the, the, the seven that are on trial. It's not their fault, it's the police. And uh, the judge is like, no. And at that point, yeah. he's just like, how can we win this? We've literally got the smoking gun here. The guy who investigated it has said it's not their fault, but the judge is like, nah, it definitely is. He's like, the judge at that point, he's like in contempt of court himself. It's like he's impeding the justice system and like impeding the courts and it's like it's just yeah it's like wow you're like you're an asshole you're like the the worst person ever yeah i hope for the rest of that judge's life after that trial that every day he at least stubbed his toe once every two hours (laughs) just i don't want him to die because that's a little bit harsh right and i'll be the bigger man but just fucking hurt yourself all the time He was basically forced to retire straight after. Yeah, well, at least they found him like incompetent. Like, yeah, a few years later or something. Yeah, well, just not very good on the American government at that point in time where other judges can condemn this judge and it takes a few years for him to be forced to retire. Think of how many other fucking cases he could have been racially biased towards or all the misjudgments or mis like prison sentences he's given people. It also, like, sequestered the jury as well, so, like, the jury were hidden from the public and the press. It's just, like, isolated. And, like, that's a way of only letting him hear what <clears throat> he wants them to hear. Just an arsehole. Yeah. Uh, anyone else have anything to add? Um, I don't have anything, no. No, neither I do I. I guess I would just, I would, I would say that the parts of this movie that I like is like how it tells the story and that's not like somehow that's like it's it's a pro to the movie but like it's also nothing that couldn't have been communicated in an article or in a history lesson or a short documentary yeah yeah I agree with that um I think that concludes it doesn't it yeah yeah right um so We'll uh, rate this one out of a. Uh, what's the? What were the sentences the judge was judge was given out? Contempt of court. Yeah, we'll give this out of contempts. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah, this is an interesting movie. I'm not gonna say I didn't enjoy it because I did. I do think that Aaron Sorkin is a great writer, just not a very good director, and I don't really like the way he flipped a lot of the information without making the film emotionally entertaining enough for you to really get invested i definitely think it's a very interesting story and i would like to learn more about it just in maybe like a documentary film or series or something i think it's been done a few times like documentary films about it because it's like quite a famous story so do want to check them out um i'm gonna give it six contempts out of ten Nice, yeah. Um, it was fine. I was just—it was such a slog to get through. I just didn't care about anything that was happening. I didn't care for the acting. Like, I, I guess I cared about like some of like the story that was being told. I guess, but it was just oh god, it was such a hard movie to get through. And it's like two hours long, over two hours long. It's 
And it really, I think it really says something that I went to make lunch and I got back and I forgot I was watching the movie. <laughs> Just nothing sticked about this movie. I've watched this twice. I did not want to watch this movie twice. All it did was like reaffirm how much, how indifferent I am to it. I, I'm going to forget this movie in like after like this episode, honestly. I'm just, yeah, just really not up my alley. Not at all. I'm going to give it five contempts out of ten. Um, you've heard what I've had to say about this movie if you've listened to this podcast, so I don't need to rehash the points that I've already made. Um, I'll just go straight onto the rating and I'll give it uh, seven contempts out of ten. Nice. Nice. So next wonderful, week, boys, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, we've got what some are the wrecks. What are we doing? We got some wrecks. What we didn't hear anything you said, that Max. What are the recommendations? Nice. So, I have talked about um, the director David Lynch a few times because he's my favourite director, but I've not picked any of his films before. So I thought, let's just jump in and pick what is quite possibly my favourite film by him. And I'm going to pick the film Mulholland Drive. Nice. Mulholland Drive. Okay. Wonderful. My recommendation, I've been trying to get into a lot of like medieval movies recently because I just like that era, and especially when it's told in film, you get some awesome battle sequences that I just, uh, when they're done right, glorious to behold. So I got a couple of Blu-rays the other day. I watched like Macbeth as well. Uh, the other day, which was visually striking, but quite boring. Um, but the other Blu-ray that I got was a 1995 movie directed by Mel Gibson called Braveheart, and that is what I shall recommend. Oh my god. Literally, when you rec- when you said I've been trying to get into medieval movies, I instantly thought Braveheart. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've not seen it. Um, it's been one I've been meaning to watch for years, but never watched it. Uh, the only scene I know from Braveheart is that the one where he goes, "Give us freedom or give us something else or some shit." Yeah, blue yeah, face. That's the only bit something I about know. freedom or something else. Yeah, um, I'm sure more happens in it. Yeah, you can also apparently you can mm-hmm. see a plane in the background of that movie. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, like there's a shot in the first Lord of the Rings film where you can see a car in the background. <laughs> 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 Why don't they just use that to get there? Um. You know, I, I've been, like, uh, just uh, trying to recommend films that you guys may have seen already, uh, but you have said good things about, so I kind of want to sort of know what you're watching. So uh, I remember you guys mm-hmm. talking about a film called The Arrival, with uh, Arrival. a girl from Superman and Jeremy Renner in it, right? Arrival, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty sure you, you both said it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never seen it, so I saw that it was on Netflix. The other day, so I was like, "Ah, do you know what? Um, we'll watch it. I'll recommend that." Nice. So, my arrival, is 2016, the arrival, Denis Villeneuve. It's called Arrival. <laughs> arrival, Denis Villeneuve, my favorite director. Wonderful. Who, who's it by? Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Okay, cool. So we got a film Wonderful. from my favorite director, a film from Max's favorite director, and Braveheart. Yeah, and Mel Gibson is actually my favourite actor, so... Are you a fan of all his racist comments? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I am. (laughs) I fully support Mel Gibson. I'm I'm doing parentheses on that as well. Clearly, I don't. But, you know, there's probably going to be some dickhead that listens to this in the future that just is like, being serious. 
Cancel him. Cancel him now. Cancel him. He said he agreed with Mel Gibson and he was laughing while saying it. He must be racist. Nah. We have, uh, just before we finish this up, we also have social media accounts uh, for the Sunday Movie Marathon podcast. Twitter is at Sunday Movie Pod, all lowercase. Facebook, all lowercase as well, at Sunday Movie Marathon. Letterboxd is capital S for Sunday. Sunday MM, capital MM. And now we also have a very brand new YouTube channel. It's just the Sunday Movie Marathon. Go give us a follow. Go subscribe. Do, do some stuff. <laughs> Thanks I for love, listening. I love how, ma- how much Max tries. It's amazing. The only four people that Please. listen to this podcast are the ones that already follow it. But Max, fucking A for effort. I love it. You plugged that shit. <laughs> I plugged it. Go out there and do it. Yeah. You've set your seed. Now let it grow. Wonderful. Thanks for listening Thank to this you so much. Uh, surprisingly longer than expected episode of the Sunday Movie Marathon podcast.